Welcome to another episode of New York Sports Incomplete. This is Rex the Rookie. I'm here with John the Veteran. How are you today, John? Staying dry, which is an improvement over the last three or four days. Yeah, so. it, it, it's been been so bad I've been contemplating building an ark. Um, I, folks, yeah, this, I, this episode brought to you by Buddy's Barbecue. If you've got an event on Long Island, have Buddy bring the barbecue to you. And remember... When you call 516-497-0246, that's 516-497-0246, tell Buddy that the guys at New York Sports Incomplete sent you. All right, John, let's get into it. The week that was. Yeah, the week that was. It was, that might be one of the most uneventful weeks that we've had since we started doing the show. Um, like, the really only highlight was old man Joe Namath talking about how much he hates Zach Wilson. God bless him. <laughs> God, God bless him. Makes you wish he had caught Susie Colbert all those years ago. Um, so we're, we're cruising towards the end of the, the regular season in Major League Baseball. And I thought it might be nice to talk a little bit about some of the bright spots for, for our New York Mets. And then we never have to talk about them again. Well, well, now, come on now. <laughs> so, we got Pete Alonzo, 46 dingers, 117 RBI, and an OPS of 834. Yes, the batting average is only 221, but that OPS is pretty, pretty darn good. And can't sneeze at uh, the 46 homers and the 717 ribeye stakes. Uh, he's, he's got one of the highest on-base percentages on the team of anybody who's you know been here since the beginning of the season. Uh, looking at it right now, the only person that's got a higher OPS is uh, future Hall of Famer DJ Stewart. Yeah, at eight sixty. Um, yeah, no, forty-six home runs, one hundred and seventeen RBIs in a season where he missed uh, a chunk of time in the middle. There is is very impressive. Uh, would like for the batting average to be higher, but like I said, can't can't complain about a five thirteen slugging percentage and eight thirty four OPS. And then you got Lindor with the thirty thirty season. Yeah. Which is very nice. Uh good for him. I yeah. can tell that meant that meant yeah. a lot to him. So. Um again an OPS of eight oh seven, not shabby. The batting average no. is down a little bit from his normal, but um Again, hard to get mad with the numbers he's posted. Uh, going and back on top of elite defense as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, speaking of great defense, Brandon Nimmo, batting average 274. That's four points higher than the back of his card. 24 homers. I think that's the most he's ever hit in a year. 68 ribeyes. And an OPS of 829. So uh, another good year for Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, I uh, yeah, he's been good. I he's definitely he definitely played up to his to his contract this year. Um, I don't know what the organization's plans are for him defensively, 
seems like they're not uh, quite set on him being the center fielder of the future, which I'm fine with because he has terrific range, but I don't, he doesn't have the arm in center field. Well, he's also he had really he's also had some dead legs towards the end of the season from running so much. So you know, yeah. If they could get somebody that could to play center most of the time or even part of the time, that would be helpful, I think. I mean, I think, yeah, you talk about dead legs. And the issue with Nimmo, though, is despite how seemingly quick he is, he doesn't steal any bases. Four. He's three, actually. Three. He stole one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Pete Alonso stole four. Pete Alonso has four. <laughs> Nimmo has three. Uh, I'm just looking at it right now. I mean... Do you want to guess who is second place with steals on this team? Uh, I will... Lindor is number one. Right. So. Um, probably, probably Tommy Pham before they traded him. That would be, no, the answer is Starling Marte with 24. And he hasn't even played. And he was hurt when he was playing, so that's pretty cool. Um... We got, with the baby Mets, we got the remarkable Mr. Alvarez with 23 home runs and 57 RBIs and not even playing all the time. I mean, they've been been really managing his workload towards the end of the season. So if he had played a whole season, I think he would have put up some monster numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely, um, that's the one where it feels like Okay, that exceeded expectations this year. It's one of the only things where my expectations were exceeded. Well, I think Vientos and Maurizio are, are starting to find their groove and getting comfortable, and they're having meaningful at-bats. Um, Brad Beatty occasionally gets into one and knocks it 100 miles, but uh, I'm still worried about it. You know, the rap on Maurizio was that he wasn't um, selective enough at what he was swinging at. And I still see a little bit of that with him, but I think it's worse with Beatty. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I just... I, I, I'm not a hitting, a hitting coach. I, my, just going off of feel... When Mauricio is up at bat, I feel like something good can happen. And I just don't get that feeling from Beatty. I haven't at all this year. It just, he just has not put it together. And he's the one who's gotten significant playing time out of all of them. Like, yeah. he, he, he played 105 games this year, despite getting sent down. But Alvarez played 121. But... I mean, Mauricio only got 23. Vientos got 63. So he played more than Vientos and Mauricio combined, and I still have more confidence in both those guys at the plate than I do at Prep 80. Yeah, me too. He's going to start the season as our third baseman. Maybe. But, uh, yeah, maybe. But I I don't... I just... I don't know. It's not... I don't feel confident in him going forward at all, and I really hope you proved me wrong. Uh, I agree totally, but I don't know what the answer is other than put Maurizio over there, because not only is Maurizio hitting better, he looks like he's more comfortable at third. Yeah, he's he, Maurizio has been 
lights out defense-wise. And, and Beatty's, you know, he's good for a clunker a game, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, he just had the, 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 the I mean, the ground ball. Uh, Marlins game the other night, I just, awful. Like, he just. Yeah, triple clutch. Yeah, it's, it was bad. It's bad. It's almost like he's got the yips out there. Um, by just all these young prospects, though, I still there's not a single person outside of Alvarez that feels untouchable in regards to Juan Soto. If that's a viable option. Okay, let's get into it. Do you want Juan Soto? Under the provision that he signs a long-term contract before playing a single game for the Mets, a la Francisco Lindor, absolutely. Okay. He's and, only 24. And, like, he's the same age as most prospects when they yeah. get called up. No, no, I, look, I, <laughs> I think he's a tremendous talent. I think he's a bit of a head case, but he is a tremendous talent, and he's proved he likes the East Coast. Um, yeah, that would solve our DH problem, too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the other rumor going around is that the two teams that are uh, in the lead for the Otani sweepstakes would be the Mets and the Dodgers. And I, between you and me, I hope the Dodgers get him. Yeah, you're you're not in on Otani at all. Uh, I am. I'm not. I I'm not getting my hopes up for that at all. I think the man's going to be a Dodger. I've been saying he's going to be a Dodger for three years now I it just seems like a perfect fit um I mean yeah. like I said if he come, if he if Steve Cohen gives him like the most money and he does sign here I'm gonna be happy beyond belief it's just one of those things that I don't I'm, I, I'm not I don't I just don't see it I see I, I take the opposite view I think Otani is a once in a generation talent I think he's tremendous, but the cost to get him, it's going to be kind of like when the Angels signed Poolholtz and then signed uh, Trout. It, you, you blow your budget so out of whack that you can't put the right supporting cast around him. And I just, you know, he's coming off a of Tommy John. He's not going to even be able to pitch next year. I just don't think it's worth it, whatever it is. I'd much rather have uh, Childish Gambino than, than Otani. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, cause, cause, so it's okay. So say he doesn't pitch for just one year. You're still getting a top five hitter in baseball, though. Add it into your lineup. Yeah. You, you, it's still... Either way, even if you were to, rem- I know that you think he's a better pitcher than he is a hitter. I do, and I know a lot of people have said that, and that might be true. But he's, but he's, he's still, still a hell of a top. He's still an elite hitter, though. Yeah, I know. I I, I can't complain. Wherever wherever the cost is, he's going to be a significant upgrade over what we have. Like he's gonna, he would be replacing Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> In the lineup, like yeah. that would be huge, <laughs> or, or Vientos or whoever was our DH. Right. That's who he'd be replacing. So it was just like that's such a monumental upgrade that I he he would he would add wins to the team, and then 
And then hopefully he still can pitch because then you're getting a two for one deal. Um, I'll say I would. I this could blow up in my face, but my prediction is that I would that whoever signs Blake Snell would be in more trouble long term than a team that signs Otani. That's I don't trust Blake Snell at all. That's interesting. I don't. I don't oh, trust hey. Blake Snell at all. John, I think he's having. At least we didn't a, get. At least we didn't get Carlos Rodon. That that is true. That is. Yeah. He's fin- finishing against the Royals. Finishing his first year with the with the Yankees of a what a five or a six year contract uh, yeah. with a six point eight five ERA. Eight batters up, nobody out last night. Yeah, that was the closest I've ever felt bad for the Yankees. Was watching that. Was watching that guy pitch. I mean, honest to God, if there was no Aaron Judge, the Yankees would have lost hundred games this year. They're they're just they're painful to watch. Let's let's loop back around to the one maybe brightest spot of the 2023 season for the Mets, and that would be Kodai Senga. Finishes the year with a 2.98 ERA, 166 and a third innings pitched, and 202 strikeouts. I don't think I think any of us, when we heard we were getting Senga, would have would have signed up for that in a heartbeat. I mean, it's the Mets. Good or bad, they're going to have one ace in their rotation. It's just who we are. And Sanga's that guy. He is... How I look at Sanga is he's a really good number one. He would be a tremendous number two. Yeah. He'd be the best number two pitcher in baseball. Well, you know, maybe we can get his buddy over from Japan. Yeah, Yamamoto would be great. Uh, I just, yeah, that's the thing. I just, I don't like any of the starting pitching available outside of Otani, who won't pitch this year. Like, I just, I don't trust Blake Snell or Aaron Nola at all. And they're, they're, honestly, the one pitcher I would maybe take a flyer on, just because, not even a flyer, like, you'd have to pay him, but just not as much as the other two guys, would be Jordan Montgomery. Just because of how well, how good he's looked yeah. with the Rangers to close out the season. Yeah, he has looked good. Um, and he's pitched in New York before. What do you think there's an outside chance for Corbin Burns? We talked about that earlier in the year. We did. You know what's funny? is I, the, the Brewer pitcher that I think I would be more interested to see if the Mets could bring in Hayter. Well, that would be a good... That would really shore up the back end of the bullpen, but... What we really, really, really need is starting pitching. I agree, but like I, it's at the point where I don't know. I just I'm so having Hater and Diaz back to back would just feel. And then if you could bring in Robertson as well, like to just have the seventh, eighth, and ninth locked down. Yeah, well, you've been put out of out of being on the six. Like then, then that becomes like the whole decree to starting pitching is just keep it close for yeah. six innings. Yeah, no, that'd be beautiful. And like, I don't know. I there's well, we still got Quintana, who's proved to be more than solid. Um, I think we've seen the last of Cookie Carrasco. Yeah, he's gone. 
Kodash, we, we've got Senga and Quintana. We need to add minimum of three more starters. Although... Yeah, I would we, like to see Lucchesi out of the bullpen well, next year. Yeah, in, I was about the, uh, to say that Williams Captain Churv has looked darn good this year when he's played in the major leagues. Yeah, that's who I want in the Trevor Williams role next year. Because we missed that tremendously. Yeah. And I think I think... I think the the chair man fills in that niche now, really well. Now, a friend of the show, Matt Gately, was texting me last night talking about he can't stand the can't stand the Phillies and but but we're gonna we're gonna drop a slot in the lottery picks if the Phillies don't don't win and and then he wrote back and said, "Oh wait, we're in the eighth spot anyway." Honestly, I, honestly, drafts are such a crapshoot. I don't even. Pay attention. Well, that's so a, I, that's exactly the point I was about to make. I don't pay a lick of attention to that stuff because ninety nine point nine percent of the time, none of them pan out anyway. Yeah, it's like what I like. I mean, I'm not <laughs> the top ten draft picks for all kids from like high school. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not watching college baseball anyway. It's not like football where like I have like some idea of who these people are. And I watch them, and I go, oh, he could be a good fit for the Giants. Or yeah, the Jets could use a guy like that. I'm not, what am I going to do? I'm going to watch some Vanderbilt, a pitcher from Vanderbilt, strike out 25 kids who have no business going up against them. And I go, that's a future star right there. Yeah, you, I, you don't no know. Idea. You're right. You don't know. Uh, to be fair to Matt, Matt is a very forward-thinking, highly intellectual fella. And... I, I'm not making fun of him. I I, I get his point and, and I agreed with him, but maybe it's my lack of attention span or or my my natural and, and you're gonna gag on this pessimism. Um, but I I just don't get all that excited about lottery picks in baseball. I think they mean a lot more in basketball or football. In basketball, they change the whole trajectory of your franchise because it's only the, it's a five man sport. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I can't. And, and also, if I were to pay attention to the draft, I would just I would probably end up as pessimistic as you because I just the amount of people that we've passed on, like we, we drafted some. I don't know. I don't even remember his name, but I know we passed on Reggie Jackson. <laughs> So like that's that's really my extent of Mets draft knowledge is we passed on Reggie Jackson. All right, so John, let me get some housekeeping out of the way before we get to the NFL. Um, we've got the Ryder Cup going on now. For those of you who are not big golf people, the Ryder Cup started off as a uh, team competition between players from the United States and England, but then the United States started clobbering England so regularly that they expanded it to the United States versus Europe. And it's the greatest spectacle in golf. I mean, it's like watching NASCAR and the Super Bowl all rolled into one in the world of golf because the crowds are huge. They're rowdy. Um, America usually does fairly well when we're playing on home soil. This year they're playing in Italy, and they're, right now they're getting their teeth knocked in by Europe, which is kind of hard to watch, but it's still fun because of the the, the kind of – Fierce rivalry between the players. Uh, these are guys that these are guys that would normally 
go play golf and shake hands and go get a bite to eat afterwards. But if they're on opposite teams of the Ryder Cup, they're swearing at each other. So <laughs> I don't get that. Like, so if it was the U.S. versus England. That's one thing. Like, how did the Europe? What are they just like the European team? They just like, yeah, go Europe. They can, yeah, they shame. can. They anything to beat the Americans, man. <laughs> it's but, uh, like you're you're a conglomerate, though. Like that's not that doesn't feel the same. Well, you know, like I said, uh, the United States has had the upper hand for a number of years, but lately, when they play the Ryder Cup in Europe, we don't do well at all, and I I don't know what the reason is, but. Um, so can we can we get Canada on our side then? So then it could be North America versus Europe. So that way it could be continents. So well, just well, our country. That, that in theory would 20. be that in theory would be a good idea. But truthfully, the U.S. doesn't gain anything because there's only one or two Canadian golfers that would be even be good enough to be considered for the team. So I don't know. It's fun. It's it, If you get a chance, flip over, I think it's on ESPN this morning, or, or on the Golf Channel, but it's fun to watch. It's spectacle. There, there's some great golf being played on both sides. Um, uh, college football, our New York team that we're watching, the Stony Brook Seawolves are 0-4, and they're playing the Maine Bears that are also 0-4, so one of these losers is going to win a game this week. Someone so has got to go. Syracuse <laughs> is currently Syracuse is undefeated. By the way, in case you were, in case you thought I forgot about South Canada, Syracuse is four <laughs> zero, but they are currently playing the Clemson Tigers. Oh, they're going to be and are down seven nothing. Uh, and will probably be down much worse the yeah. next time I check this score. Yeah, Clemson's a really good team. Um, <laughs> Syracuse Syracuse uh, started four zero. And now their next their next few games are against Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. So October's off to a rough start yeah. for, me, for the Orange. Kind of like being a Washington Commanders fan, I guess. Um, before we get to the NBA, uh, the NFL, however, the WNBA is in the playoffs. The New York Liberty, led by newly minted. League MVP. League MVP Brianna Stewart have gone up two games to one over the Connecticut Sun. It's a first to three wins it. Uh, the winner goes on to play the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, the Liberty are up two games to one. If, if, and I think they probably will win, it'll be the matchup of the two superstar teams that everybody's been waiting to see. So that's kind of fun. Yeah, no, it is. I uh, it's still weird that there's there's a Phoenix WNBA team that's not the Sun, uh, and Mercury, yeah, and Connecticut, and all the things to choose from, pick the Sun, right? Connecticut, known for its Sun, yeah. <laughs> this should be the Connecticut Poison Ivy, um, or the in, Connecticut Wealth in the. <laughs> In the National Women's Soccer League, uh, Gotham beat Washington 2-0 in overtime. They're only two points on the table behind leader Portland, so they're playing some good soccer. Um, all right, John, it's that time. We've got to get into the uh, National Football League. Yeah. Um, well, I do the Jets or the Giants first? 
Well, since the Giants played first this this past week, let's do the Giants. Uh, yeah, I mean, but you know, same deal. They got they held they hung they held their own with the 49ers despite not being able to make a tackle or block anybody for three quarters. So that was kind of impressive. Uh, and then the bottom came out at the end. There, score made it look a lot worse than it was. Yeah. Um. So and now we're so now we've had eleven days off. We somehow still will not have Andrew Thomas, our only good line um, offensive lineman. He got, had a setback in practice. He reaggravated his hamstring, so he's out. Um, that blocked field goal against Dallas Week One is going to probably go down as one of the most cursed plays in Giants history, as uh, it not only effectively ended that game. Uh, maybe took out our best player for the entire season. So that's not good. Saquon Barkley's a game-time decision. We're going to need him. Uh, Seattle, the only thing I can say about Seattle is while they're a decent team, they're not Dallas or San Francisco. So there's that. Um, and the game's in New York, Monday Night Football. It really does feel like a must-win for the Giants because our next two games are against the Bills and the Dolphins because Roger Goodell hates us with a burning passion for some reason. Well, what do you think if you were to lay odds? What, what's your prediction on Giants and Seattle? I, I agree. I think the Giants have a good chance against Seattle. Um, I don't you, I don't want to use my awesome powers of, of, of darkness to curse Please you. don't. Please don't. So I, I'm not, my pick is Seattle by two touchdowns. Okay. All right. Thank God. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still. It's still too early in the season for me to uh, look at this objectively. So I'm gonna say twenty-seven, twenty-four Giants. Oh. Um, yeah, I just. I I I don't know. I just feel like. There were so many things like it wasn't. It was so frustrating because I know on paper the 49ers are so much better than us, but there were so many times where we could have played. Especially the defense on third down, you got to be able to get off the field on third and eighteen. Like you just you can't let a screen pass go for twenty five yards yeah. on third and eighteen. You just yeah. can't. It's just. Um, like I think everyone's everyone's made a big deal at the offensive line, and it's rightfully so. They're the worst, and they're probably the worst offensive line in football, besides maybe the Jets. Yeah, I was about um, to say the Jets are pretty putrid, which is incredibly frustrating because it's just like I just want to see what Daniel Jones can look like when he's able to stand upright. I, I get glimmers of it, but that's what's so frustrating about this. I get little glimpses of like how good he can be watching him just torch the Arizona defense in the second half, the same defense that shut down the Dallas Cowboys the very next week. I could watch him dice up the Arizona Cardinals in one half, and then I don't get to see it again because he doesn't have any time to make a decision. Right. It's just that's so frustrating. And then, I, and then you read people like, oh, well, he's not worth $60 million a year. I think he right. absolutely is. I think if you were to look, just, like, I, look I at his... Look at his performance versus Zach Wilson's performance. It's not even Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's not even an NFL quarterback. 
Well, my uh, point like, is Daniel Jones better, is like, head and shoulders better. Right. But I, he's better. Like, I watch other quarterbacks that just have all... Like, he's... That, in my opinion, he's better than guys like Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr. And it's a, I, I've never seen a, a guy get so pounded on for his contract when he's the 12th highest paid quarterback in the league. Yeah. He's getting... Like, if he was paid, like, a top-five quarterback, that would make sense. He's 12th. Like, you're not... He's 12th in the biggest market in... Yeah, he's 12th in the biggest market in the league. Money-wise. Playing the top position. Yeah. He didn't ask to, like, I'm sorry that he plays quarterback in New York. (laughs) Like, it's just... I mean, it's it's not even a New York thing, because it's the salary cap and... The two highest paid quarterbacks play in Cincinnati and you know Kansas City, but just it's not it's one of the most unfair criticisms I've seen on a guy in forever. I just don't understand how you could watch this team and think the Giants would be better with a different quarterback. You want Next Zach year. Wilson? No, I don't want Zach Wilson. <laughs> and the people think Caleb Williams behind this offensive line would be any better. Are out of their minds. Well, let's let's talk about the Jets for a minute. They uh, lost fifteen to ten against an anemic New England offense. Um, you know the defense just can't be on the field the whole game every game and expect them to win. the The defense is a good defense, but with zero offense, it's you know it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I. And it's not, I mean, they, they got to play Kansas City on well, Sunday night. Yeah, they, they've got the, you know, they've got Pat Mahomes and uh, Taylor Swift to deal with. Yeah, I was going to say, the only saving grace is that Jets fans can sell those tickets for a pretty penny. <laughs> yeah. Those, Taylor, those, those Swifties, man, they'll, they'll, uh, they will sell out that place if you let them just uh, sit there. And watch a person watch a football game. Yeah, it's almost like esports. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Jets have to play the Chiefs. I look, guys. I'm a Jets fan, and I know that my predictions often blow up in my face. But let's be real here. Even the even my powers of darkness can't touch this one. I think it's the Chiefs by a minimum of two touchdowns. Um, uh, two touchdowns. That's. <laughs> They're a... Minimum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about my boy, Zach Wilson. Um, yeah. He's terrible. Uh, he's really bad. You can, I can't, we can't even repeat what you call him. That's true. That, that, well, yeah, what, that's true. <laughs> uh, I mean... Uh, my my young my younger brother who's got health issues and and God bless him thank God he's getting a little bit better but he can he can hardly walk out to his mailbox without being out of breath. Uh, I think he could play quarterback better than Zach Wilson. Uh, even uh, you know old alcoholic Joe Namath weighed in on it this week. Um, I don't remember his exact words. Do you? It's horrible. He, I think, I, he, well, well, not that it's horrible. I mean, it is horrible what he said, because at this point, it's looped back around to where I feel sorry for Zach Wilson, because he's just America's punching bag at this point. 
Um, I'm pulling up the quote right now. He said, uh, let's see. I mean, to be fair, Zach Wilson handled the, uh, the criticism very well. I, I don't I don't care. He can't play football. He said his play was disgusting. That's what Joe Namath called it. He said, Joe, Joe Namath said, Zach Wilson playing football is disgusting. So, you're out on Zach Wilson. That's very clear. Uh, the Jets seemingly aren't. And yeah, I don't they, get that. They got Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Uh, both threw their names in the hat. Like, hey, like we could go. And the Jets were like, no, we're not interested. We're sticking with Zach Wilson. No, we're going to go out and get Simeon, who couldn't even get a backup job on any other team. That's... It was... I, it, it, you know what it is? Is It's hubris. Uh... The GM and Robert Sala were both big on getting Wilson in the, as what was it, the second pick, uh, and and they're they're not willing yet to admit they were totally wrong, and that's going to be the that's going to not only mess up the Jets for this season but maybe ones going forward because it made them wrong. They were. They, I think, they brought in Rodgers because they knew the team couldn't win with Wilson, but then they were thinking, okay, if he sits behind Rodgers for two or three years, then maybe he can, you know, blossom into something that he's not. Uh, I think at this point it's clear that he's not an NFL quarterback. He's probably up there as one of the biggest busts in NFL history. And the Jets just need to wear that. I think you've got to work pretty hard to make Mark Sanchez look great. No, Mark Sanchez looks like Peyton Manning in comparison to Zach Wilson. I'm talking like Zach Wilson is on the tier of like Ryan Leaf, Marcus Russell. Just he was the second overall pick in the draft. And he can't play football. No, he's not good. I mean, he might and, be. You know, to be fair, though, to the Jets, none of the quarterbacks outside of Trevor Lawrence in this draft, in that draft class, look any good. None of them. Well, I don't. Justin Fields looks just as bad as Zach Wilson. Which, whether you want to chalk that up to the Chicago Bears organization being a complete dumpster fire and failing him, that's up for debate. Mac Jones doesn't look good. No. Like ever. I know he went to the Pro Bowl. That's but that was like. Dude, at best, he's a one-year wonder. He just he, there's nothing about that guy that makes it seem like he's going to be anything special. Also, he just like has a tendency to just want to hit other guys below the belt, which isn't cool. So, well, the the, yeah. other, the other thing to be a little more fair to Zach Wilson, if we're being we're looking at the Jets with a critical eye. That offensive line couldn't protect anybody. They, no. It may gel. It may become a good cohesive unit. That happens. But right now, I don't think Joe Montana could play quarterback for the Jets, you know, when in his I, prime. No, I don't. I, yeah. I mean, and the thing with the, it's... Yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, and then, you know, to go back to the Giants, it's not like the Giants haven't 
invested draft picks into the offensive line. They have, and it just has not worked out. Like, like I just, I, I really, really want Evan Neal, and then on the defense side of the ball, Kayvon Thibodeau, to show me something soon, because it's like, at least, I mean, Thibodeau had a decent year last year, but him and Neal, who were fifth and seventh round picks last year, respectively, have done nothing this year. Like, at some point, you guys, they gotta show up. I, same thing for Becton, too. Like, I know he's, he was the last, like, hot, like, he was a big, he's a big draft pick for the Jets on the offensive line. He hasn't done anything. Don't, I mean, at least the Jets have Wilson and Gardner that they could look at and be like, okay, well, these are two building blocks that yeah. we can, I, you know. I, there is a chance the Jets' offensive line will still be something, but it's also an equal chance that that Zach Wilson will be in uh, a hospital with multiple broken bones before that happens. Uh, speaking of, you said that the phrase "one one year wonder." Also in sports news this week, the uh, San Francisco Giants just let go of Gabe Kapler. Don't want him. <laughs> don't want him. No, I don't want him either. He's too analytical. He's one of the, he. He's like almost the absolute polar opposite of an old school coach. He doesn't do anything by feel. Uh, it seems like analytics rule his world, and that's fine to use analytics, but you have to also be able to trust your gut. No, I mean, he makes... Yeah. I honestly... I know you said the Yankees are the most boring team to watch. The Giants are right up there. They're just soulless. Because they're just... It's like... It's like he... If it was up to Gabe Kepler, he'd have nine robots out there. And he would just be controlling all of them with a joystick. Well, now he's got plenty of time on his hands. He can play MLB The Show and, yeah. and do just that. Uh, Bob Melvin, I heard, was a leading candidate to take that job, which would be uh, well, interesting. Bob, Bob Melvin's a very good coach in a very bad situation. He and A.J. Preller just do not get along. Um, that's been no, noted on numerous shows and, and in numerous articles. Um, the, the run differential, by the way, is just comical. Looking at like the wild card standings, how the the Padres have a run differential of ninety eight. Right. The Cubs have a run differential of ninety six. They might both miss the playoffs to the Marlins, who have a run differential of fifty seven. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Can't. That's what I mean. Just baseball is a weird sport. <laughs> definitely it really is. is. It definitely is. It's still my favorite sport, but there are those anomalies where you think, quite quite straight up, that if if you score more than the other teams, you're going to have a better record and gonna, therefore going to win more, uh, go to the playoffs, etc. Doesn't always work what that speaks, way. What it speaks to is that the Marlins win the close games. You know, the 50-50 ones that's yeah. swing a season? Yeah. The, the Marlins are 
seven games over 500 because they've won a lot of 50-50 games. Right. And the and Padres it, just can't, the Padres just self-destructed every single time. Well, until, they were in a close game. Until this week, this week, almost the very end of the regular season was the first time the, the Padres won an extra innings game. Yeah. <laughs> that, that speaks volumes. No, it's uh, it's wild. Like their expected win loss, like I just pulled it up. Their expected win loss based on runs scored and runs allowed, they're a ninety win team. They're current. They would currently be ninety and seventy as opposed to eighty and eighty. Whereas the Marlins were eighty three and seventy six, they would be seventy three and eighty six. Going off expected wins. Let, before we go off the air, let's talk a second about those Marlins because I think Kim Ang has done a phenomenal job as their GM. Uh, Schumacher has, has been nothing short of brilliant as a manager. Might be the reason Don Mattingly doesn't get a job again. <laughs> well, you know, I don't have anything against Mattingly, but clearly Skip Schumacher has got the pulse of that team and is using them the best way possible. Uh, that's a team... On paper, you look at them, you're thinking third, fourth place in the division. And here they are, still right in the thick of things, maybe going to make a playoff berth. Uh, I, yeah, I think that team... Miami versus Milwaukee is going to be the least viewed playoff series probably ever. And it's going to be amazing yeah. <laughs> to watch all six of us tuning in. To watch the the Brewers play the Marlins, I don't think the, I don't think they beat the Brewers in the first round. I think I think the Brewers are actually a little bit scary. I, I think they're better than people think. I'm I, I'm rooting for them out of all the teams in the National League. Uh, God bless Mark Canna, wonderful human being, uh, has become their Uena Cespedes somehow, and. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm rooting for them. Especially given the other options are the Phillies, the Braves, and Dodgers, realistically. Well, yeah, give me, give me the Brewers all day. I'm still, uh, I'm still looking at the, the Astros and the Braves for the World Series. And I, yeah, and I, hope you're, I, yeah, I really hope you're wrong on that. Uh, just before we go, do you want to just take a guess as to what the Braves' run differential was? This season? Oh, it's got to be something ridiculous. Go ahead. Take a, take a, take a guess. 150? Not even close. They're plus 230. Good gracious. That's clubbing plus, some people. Well, plus that's, 230, which uh, is 100 more than the Orioles in the American League. Yeah, well, uh, they're, John, they're 25 when, higher than the Dodgers. When, when your, ninth, your ninth place hitter is, is Michael Harris II... He's your ninth yeah. place hitter? Are you kidding yeah, it, me? There is no hole in that lineup. No, they I they brought uh I think it was no team in LD history had ever had four different guys hit thirty home runs in the same season, and then the Braves had five yeah. this year. Yeah, they're they're crazy good. Um yeah, they're oh man, they are they are a wagon. I, I can't even uh, I really, I genuinely can't fathom them losing. I hope, obviously, that they do. I'll be very happy if they do. They just seem so head and shoulders above everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. So, anyways, yeah, like yeah. I said, that's that, that's going to be a discussion for a few weeks from now when they're actually playing meaningful games again. They haven't played a meaningful game in forever. Three weeks. It feels like, yeah. Um, okay, so next week when we, we talk, um, we can – I'm predicting we'll both be licking our wounds from the Jets and the Giants. Uh, yeah. but, but, hey – Maybe a miracle happens. Maybe uh, another Arizona Cardinals kind of miracle occurs. I would like to just win a game, like, just comfortably. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but like I said, that's, um, yeah, that's Monday Night Football. So at least the bright side is I get to watch all of Sunday's games with a completely clean slate and, you know, not feel too bad. That's the great thing about Monday Night Football. Like, you just, you get to, en- the best part about Monday Night Football is just getting to enjoy Sunday. Right. Not any, not any pressure. Right. Whereas I will watch Monday Night Football and go. Eh. Yeah. Well, I, I, there, I wish they. I know they don't flex games out until like later in the season. But the fact that the Bills versus Dolphins game is at one o'clock and Jets Chiefs is in prime time is a tragedy. It is. It is because that 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 Dolphins offensive is 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 awesome and. The, the Bills' defense is pretty good, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. I, I suspect the Dolphins will prevail, but I'm, I'm going to be rooting for the Bills. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough one to call. I think the, I, I do perceive being more of a shootout than a defensive struggle. Just because the Dolphins' offense is insane, but I think the Bills with Allen can keep up with them. I would, I don't know who's going to win. I, I would say right now, off the top of my head, I think it would be Dolphins, Dolphins 34, Bills 31. I think that's reasonable. Um, I, I don't think there's any chance they're going to score 70 again this week, but uh, yeah. honestly, and, it, and it, the only way that the Dolphins are going to get slowed down is if something happens to Tua. But right, the, yeah. Because he's playing lights out ball, and if you remember last year when he was having all those troubles with the concussions, the Dolphins sputtered. No, he had the same. He literally had the same exact stats, like touchdown to interception ratio this year as he did last year before the concussions. So yeah, they are. They'll go as long as he's healthy. They have a legitimate chance of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, On the flip side, we have that game which could be a potential AFC Championship game. And then we have the Toilet Bowl, which is the Broncos versus the Bears. <laughs> oh, is, boy, there's, there's fine football for you. I want to make a prediction on that one. 12-9, Bronco, Broncos win. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go... I'm going <laughs> to go 8-3 to three Bears. <laughs> And on that note, uh, all right, yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's wrap it up on that note. Uh, uh, is there something else you got? Nah, I'm done, folks. Thanks for listening. This is Rex the Rookie saying goodbye for now. We'll see you soon, John. Any parting words? No, and just like last week, enjoy your football and stay dry.